Hello and welcome back to the Fins Nation UK podcast. I am, as ever, your host, Andy Davis, and we are here to talk all things Miami Dolphins. With me, I've got a first-time guest on the podcast. With me today is Tom Kavanagh. Tom, first of all, how are you? I'm good, mate. Well, feeling a bit sore after last weekend, as I'm sure we all are, but uh, but happy to join you. Well, good to have you on, and you are a first-time on the podcast. Um, so we'd like to ask you the same question we'd ask all of our new guests on the podcast. Now, of course, we're not we're not American. We haven't got a state we live in to choose a team. So I was intrigued by how UK fans choose teams, in particular the Dolphins. So for you, Tom, why did you pick the Dolphins over the other 31 teams? Uh, to be honest, it was fluke. When I was a kid, I remember the old Channel 4 coverage we used to have uh, we used to have over here. And um, my main memory of it was during the opening titles that that iconic touchdown Miami being yelled and I used to just love it being a small kid and I just ran around shouting touchdown Miami not really understanding what it meant um and that was sort of my introduction to American football generally and I wasn't a massive massive fan I just enjoyed watching it I like the uniforms I like the colors I like the pageantry I like everything and Miami was just to be completely honest a random name that stuck to me and then when I came back to to uh, the NFL much later in life probably only in the last 10, 12 years, you know what we're like as as soccer, football fans. Once you pick the team, you've got to stick with it. So it didn't matter whether they were good or bad or anything about them. When it came to picking a team, they were, I'd already made my choice when I was six years old. Now, I don't want to presume age here, but you mentioned Channel 4. Are you talking about the Vernon Kane, Nat Coombs Channel 4 era or are you talking about the 1980s Channel 4 era? Uh, yeah, 1980s, very much so. Wow. <laughs> Well, fair play. I, I, I want to guess that myself, but um, yeah, fair play. Um, so this episode is going to be all about a mixture of two things. One thing, we're going to review the Ravens game as well as previewing the upcoming AC East battle on Sunday Night Football. So, of course, we all know what happened on Sunday. Um, it was a chance to secure the division and have a big um, chance of getting the number one seed. Turns out we were outplayed massively by the Ravens, 56 points to 19. Now, um, now there was a a big discussion about this game and you know Mammy being thrashed, but I personally I don't know what you think, Tom. Personally, I think we were just outplayed by a better team. Obviously, we had our chances, we made mistakes, but if I'm honest, even if we scored thirty points, we wouldn't have won that game. So I think even if we had been at our best in that day and everyone had been healthy, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, I still don't think we'd have beaten this Ravens team. I think this Ravens team is that good right now, playing that well. I don't think any Dolphins team would have really, even if, if, if you stick Pry and Damarino in this team, I don't think even that would have would have made us win this game. Yeah, I mean, I think being the masochist I am, I have actually watched the game again. Um, <laughs> oh, God. I, I know I don't, I don't, I know I'm an idiot, but um, but I was curious, and I have to say, it's we weren't well. The offense wasn't that bad. I think they've got this really weird habit where they. It's odd, particularly against the Ravens, with what happened last year. But essentially, you know, you you know, before that first inception, when you're only you know eight points down, you're going to the half, coming up to the two minute warning, and you're a bit like, you know what, let get you know come to the two minute warning, you know, take a breather, figure out what you want to do. Worst case scenario, just don't give the ball back to them. Maybe get a field goal. You're going at halftime four five points down, but the Dolphins seem to have this weird thing where when they fall behind, they they panic and they just go into overdrive mode and keep throwing bombs and throwing overly aggressive passive two stops taking the simple things underneath like you look at how he was against the Jets without Tyreek and he just took the bread and butter throws and it was great 
um, maybe not as exciting as we have been, but with as you say, with the players we're missing and you know playing a team that good, those are the passes you've got to take. And for the offensive part of things, as you say, I think they probably could have put up thirty points. You know, you look at the Tyreek drop, you look at the Claypool drop. They weren't you know that far away from from putting up those numbers. The defense, on the other hand, just I don't know what was going on. Like it was like the Bills game all over again. The, the communication issues of just failing to pass off. Uh, you know, runners and in zones. And I think a lot of people have had a had a go at Eli Apple. I don't actually think he played that badly, really. He was the one nearest to a lot of good throws. But yeah, I, I don't know what happened with them. And I think, as you say, I don't care if you had Dan Marino and he put up 40 points. I think the defence still probably would have let up 60. You know, I, I just think for whatever reason on that day, they just weren't there. It was like, again, the end of the Titans game. That those last few minutes where Bradley Chubb even admitted that they kind of just switched off. It felt like they did that, but for the whole game. Yeah, I think you made a good point because I think we are a team. And this is why I'm glad actually we did actually t- get the ball first because we we saw it in the first drive and maybe even the second drive before the hill drop where we were running it a lot more and we seemed to neglect that after the first two two drives we had. And I think there's definitely a tendency in McDaniel's coaching that once we get behind, we tend to just try and pass it, pass it, because we've got Tyree Kill and normally Jalen Waddles. So I think there's definitely a a trend that we have had where when we get behind by one touchdown, two touchdowns, we seem to then go a lot more for the pass plays. I think that seems almost beyond too predictable, whereas I love the first drive, especially where we were running it a lot more than we were passing and A-Chain was having success and even um, Jeff Wilson at times was doing well. So I think... That's something we've got to learn from. The same thing happened yesterday. We, we, we neglected to run in big games. And I think the same thing seems to be happening at times again this year. Not as much. I think we've definitely addressed that problem to an extent. But I think we need to just try and run the ball more. Obviously, we didn't have most of it, fair enough. But I think when most, if most of it is back, we need to do a lot more because we are having a lot of success in that first drive or two with running the ball. And because teams are expecting us to pass the ball, I think it allows a lot of gaps, which is probably why most has been so good this year and had all these touchdowns because people are probably scheming more for us passing the ball than we are running it. So I was surprised we didn't do that as much, even when we went a touchdown behind. But I think the Tyreek Hill drop was massive because that just seemed to swing the momentum massively. And I think that if you scored that, you go 14-7 up. I think it could have been an entirely different game. But um, I, I still think, regardless, we probably would have been um, outplayed. Now, despite popular belief in our group chat, I actually didn't think Tua was that bad at times. Um, I do think that Again, it goes down to the whole thing I was saying before about McDaniel, the fact that we do tend to, um, you know, go for a lot more passing plays once we're down. But um, I've got to, I, I have to address it because it's been talked about a lot in the group chat about Tua in big games. I mean, I've been very critical of Tua in big games, the fact that he has seems to perform badly in a lot of these big games. Um, you know, I can't think of any game this season uh, against, you know, Dallas, he was actually, actually was actually quite good against Dallas. But you look at the, the Bills game in Buffalo, you look at the, the Chiefs game, the Eagles game, he wasn't as bad in the Chiefs in the Eagles game, but a lot of these big games, he has struggled in. I know it's not all down to him. The offensive line has had his issues, especially in, in the most recent game. Um, what's your take on Tua? Because it seems spit spit opinion, the fan base, because people like myself, there are people like Gareth Mellon and other people in Finns Nation UK that are on that one side of the fence where they think, well, he's... He's good against small teams, but can't do it against a good team. But there's other fans, many fans like Martin Lidden, there's Woolley, there's uh, Nigel, there's loads of other fans that are, are definitely on the other side of the fence and, and think that he is good. So I want to get your take on this because he does definitely seem to 
divided opinion still on what is what is now a fourth season in the league. Yeah, I want to quickly get in a get in a little thing here. You mentioned the offensive line, and Butch Barry should be given some form of medal for what he's managed to achieve with the offensive line <laughs> and the injuries this season. He's been the signing of the off season. I don't care, but I, I, he might be as good as Ty- the Tyree Kill trade. The dude, what he's managed to do is incredible. But um, yeah, I think the two of things an odd one. I think I, I'm kind of settling more into the. I don't think he's a bad quarterback. I don't think he's an elite quarterback. I think he has the ability to play like a top five quarterback, but he's not consistent enough. And to be fair, we got we just got absolutely diced up by Lamar Jackson. He he's had his crit, you know his critics as well. Like the guys do need time to to grow into the league. I do think this idea that guys come in in their second third season need to be Patrick Mahomes or you know Dan Marino or whatever. It, it's it's relatively feels like a relatively new thing. You know, people want instant success. I think with Tua, he could sometimes be his own worst enemy, as we were talking about a minute ago. I think sometimes he goes for the big play when he doesn't need to and doesn't give, doesn't take what he's given. Um, I think he's a solid top 12, 15 quarterback easily. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that necessarily. I'm I'm, I'm maybe, I was maybe on the side of the fence where I was pushing that he could be more than that. Now I'm not 100% sure. I think he still has the potential to be, but I, I think mentally, I think he's got to get over. He's got to throw the ball away when, when there's nothing there, which I think he's doing a little bit more this year, but he's been guilty of in the past. I don't think he necessarily needs to have Lamar Jackson or Cam Newton running ability in order to be an elite quarterback. His accuracy and kind of timing when it works is obviously second to none. I think it's unfair to criticise him for being a system quarterback. I think not anyone could run this system. It's been designed for him, specifically for him, and works really well because of him. Um, I think Tyreek Hill is as much to, as a blessing as a curse, really. I think this 2,000 yards thing has become, it became too much, like they were force-feeding the ball too often. And he's had his issues as well. Like, you talked about the drop in this game. He had one against Philly. He had one against the Chiefs. Like, they were massive moments in those games as well. Like, they were walk-in touchdowns that he dropped. And not to criticise him, you know, everyone's human and he's an elite wide receiver. But I think, again, when he's playing, or when he's on the field and he's off his game, the whole offence looks off. And I think that's a problem when you've got players as good as Waddle, as good as Mostert. You know, I kind of hoped we'd see a little bit more from Cedric Wilson, as good as he's been in blocking and stuff. Hope we'd see a bit more from him. I thought there'd be more of a plan with Brerios, which seems to have not really existed. They ignored the tight end position altogether until suddenly Durham Smythe's getting the ball and actually has some solid production in the last couple of weeks. Um, so I do, yeah, I, I'm not to veer off course too much. I think McDaniel, like Tyreek, I think is incredible and I'm not, you know, there's some guys who talk about him getting sacked or Fanjo getting sacked after the weekend. I think it's insane. The guy's got back-to-back, give brought to back-to-back playoffs and we haven't had one since, what, 2016. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think everyone's growing in the system. And I think, yeah, I think it's the thing that the reason the question is coming up with Tour as much as anything is this, you know, next year he's on that fifth-year option and people kind of hope by the end of this year, particularly as it looks like he's going to stay healthy for 17 games plus, that you'd have your answer one way or another, whether you want to give him 45 45 million a year and I think for a lot of people including me maybe that's that's you know I haven't got a definitive answer on that and that's tough yeah and I think that I'm certainly same as you I mean I will say there's no one better we could get I think even I I wouldn't go down the rookie but I think that's far completely the wrong move because you look at where this team is, you've got people like Ramsey, Tyree Kill coming towards probably the end of their career if you can't really afford to have a, have a rookie quarterback. So 
I'm happy to have been there, but I think there's definitely a lot of work that needs doing. Um, and I, I do, despite what people thought on the weekend, I do actually want him to succeed, and I hope he does. And I, I don't really like the word system callback to anyone because I think every callback is system callback. They're all playing under a certain system, whether that's Andy Reid's system, Mahomes, whether it's Josh Allen playing with McDermott's system, whether it's, you know, everyone, everyone, everyone's playing in the system. But um, yeah, I, I don't think, but I don't think it has to be elite, I think, as you say, because I think you know, they, the way it's schemed, you know, you've got a run game like Mostert and Ache, and you've got people who's like Hill and Waddle. You know, I think he's got weapons there. He doesn't need to be have a deep arm because he's got players that are great at the yards after catch. But my issue is they alluded to it in the commentary to start the game that after Hill and Waddle, our next best receiver has less than 300 yards. Now, that shouldn't be happening because now it's getting to the point where, especially with Waddle having injury problems this season, that people, they, they're just going to double cover Tyreek. I mean, I'd love to see what we're like with Ramsey healthy, with Zayvon Howard healthy, with Waddle and Hill on the same pitch as well. I think that's the issue we've had. We've not had everyone on the same pitch at the same time. Not everyone on the same field, I should say. You know, A-Chain's been injured, most, most has been healthy and vice versa. Um, so I'd love to see is a time when everyone in the whole roster is healthy. I think that would be a good thing. But I think we need to find that third option. Now, I was hoping it'd be Azum and Kanana. I think I probably butchered that name completely just then. But he looked good in preseason. He looked really good in preseason. I think that he could have done something if injury hadn't struck. And I, I said before, people are going to get sick of this now. I still think we, we could have kept Gazicki. I mean, he's done nothing in New England this year, not been targeted. And I don't think he's been targeted in New England, uh, in Miami either, I should say. But at least he was making big plays, like the one in Baltimore, the one I can think of last season in particular, the one-handed catch. So I think we need that third option to throw to. Because Cedric Wilson... Yes, he scored on the weekend, but what's he done really apart from that in his two years in Miami? You know, Berrios has been all right at times, but he seems to have, as you say, it's not had much involvement recently. So I think we need to address, I think certainly in the draft, I think offensive linemen should be our number one target in the first round. But I think if you can find a second or third round receiver, that's a little gem. I think that would be great because we need that third option because we can't keep relying on just throwing it to Hill and Waddle because teams are just going to figure it out, especially down the stretch. Happened last season as well. Teams figure this out. I know injuries happen to Tua, but teams figure this out and teams knew that if you stop Hill and Waddle, you stop Dolphins. This is what's happening again. It's my worry going into the playoffs. If we play even on the weekend coming up, teams are going to know now that they can just beat us by, especially with most of potentially not playing either. It's just going to be, you know, awfully predictable, our game plan. So we're going to have to try and find something that's going to potentially shock and um, surprise opponents. I do think uh, a is going to be more and more involved in the passing game. I think he's going to become a third option. I do think he's, he's he could be, like you look at the touchdown, to, I can't remember which game it was, Tyreek scored a couple of weeks ago where Achan was running the, his, the route on the opposite side and they were both wide open. Um, but So I do think he could be an option. I actually also, as people have given him a lot of slack, but I actually quite like the, the pickup of Claypool for next to nothing. The guy's got, I think he's a confidence player. I think that drop in the end zone the other day is going to going to really, really hurt like hurt his confidence, which is a shame. But again, he's, you know, you look at him as an, uh, an athlete. He's an elite athlete with size and he's kind of what you want from Ezekama or however you pronounce his name. Um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I agree though. I don't, I don't think you can disagree with that. Fortunately, it is a really, really deep wide receiver class this year. It looks like, you know, they're probably, I've seen guys, talk about 18, 20 guys they've got with first or second round grades. Like I think think um I think there's gonna be a lot of good options if they want to go that way. But I, I kind of I think offensive line and tight end 
are really important. And then it comes down to whether or not Wilkins stays, whether we need a new DT, um, whether we need more edge depth if Van Ginkle goes, because, you know, that boy's going to get paid at this rate, you know, the way he's playing, you know, and Ogba's almost certainly gone. So what have you got behind behind those those two pillars on, on the outside um, once once those guys are all gone? Are you going to bring back another 34-year-old Ingram? Probably not. You know, you're going to need that, that. He's good to that guy who's on the phone for the playoffs. A bit like, you know, you don't want to spend 100 million or whatever on Von Miller like the Bills have done. You want to have a guy who's on the, on the, on the phone you can call up late in the day the way the Eagles did last year with Sue. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see. But you are, you're not wrong. I think the uh, I think if Tyreek's having an off day and Waddle's not there, there isn't really enough behind that in the passing game at the moment. And whether that's someone internally, whether it's they start using Berrios more, Smythe start to get a little bit more targets. I think we do need to upgrade at tight end. You mentioned Gasicki, and obviously the issue was with him, particularly in this system, is blocking. And he couldn't block. But he tried. He was willing. He just couldn't do it. Um, and uh, I think you can't run this system without a blocking tight end. And I think they weren't willing to... to to pay what it would have cost to keep him. I mean, I think the deal he got, New England wasn't massive, but compared to what Durham Smythe got, um, <clears throat> yeah. But yeah, you're not wrong about the uh, the third wide receiver option. We need we need something McDaniel and Greer need to explore in the off-season for sure. Yeah, and I think that, Gazicki, I think it was more the fact that he could probably be in a, a slot receiver. I think he could have been that role and conversed that way. But you're right, I think blocking wise, he, well, he wasn't really good enough. But um and yeah, I think Wilkins has to be our number one priority. I think paying him should be the the biggest priority. Um, now you mentioned Brock or Rob Hunt or Connor, or Connor Williams or Rob Hunt. Oh, Connor or... Williams, yeah. He's actually been a big miss. I think he's been a bigger miss than people think. Connor Williams has been massively missed, I think, since he'd been out. Um, but Brock Barrows, I think, for me, is someone we should try and get now. <sighs> There's mock drafts that are going as far as sixth overall pick, and I think also we're nowhere near that. But we've Trade it before, and I think he'll be perfect because you mentioned blocking tight ends. I found a stat here. He's allowed, this is as of July 23, he allowed just one quarterback pressure in 52 pass blocking snaps in his first two seasons and had a 73.8 run blocking grade in 2022. So, and obviously he can do it in, with, with his hands as well. So for me, Brock Barrows should be, do what we can to get him because offensive mm. line, you can find guys in later rounds, but Brock Barrows, you are going to find a Brock Barrows in the second round unless... It is just a deep class tight end. So for me, if he is going sixth overall, like they're rejecting to, I think it's the Chargers they had it down as. But either way, if you, I'd happily give up a first rounder um, from maybe next year. Just if it means getting a tight end that can do what Daniel wants, like a George Kittle kind of tight end that he's used to in San Fran, that should be our priority because that would give you that third option. I think otherwise, in that it should be lineman first round. I, I don't know what the, the class is like for lineman, but if there's a good one there, you take him because we just can't keep anyone fit and it's just it's just a shame really. But it's the way it's been pretty much since I've been the fan the last 12, 13 years. It's just been um just been constant offensive line um d- d- uh, disappointment and just not performing well enough. Um one final point on the game. Um I think for me still something has completely rattled me and I'm still annoyed about it because it really easily could be prevented. Why the hell are you playing starters with three minutes to go when you're 40 points or 30 points down? And as a result, Bradley Chubb out for the season. Um, that was completely avoidable. Neil Reynolds mentioned at half-time, take him off at half-time. I thought that was a bit presumptuous, but at least at least midway through third quarter, when they went up to 40 points, that should have been assigned with Daniel to go, right, you're getting off now, the game's done. And I think a more experienced coach would have done that. 
Now, I'm not saying Brian Flores should have been the guy still a head coach, but he would have certainly taken players off a lot earlier. And I think that there's you know, an argument to be made about um, whether it's, again, lack of experience. You look at the fact that he did once again neglect the run. I was mentioning earlier, he did, he did neglect the run. So for me, it's just a shame because that ultimately, the Phillips one was middle of the game, fair enough, but the Chubb one could have been completely avoided. I mean, I think the thing McDaniel said afterwards, which, you know, you have to take him at his word, was obviously they just put in the backups for the offence and the discussion that they were having was whether to put in the backups for the defence, at which point the backup offence immediately turned the ball over and everyone had to go on the field. So they weren't re- they weren't prepared, which is, you know, you have to blame him for as much as anything. You know, he's in charge of personnel. He's in charge of being prepared. He's in charge of the game plan, better or worse. And like you said, going into the fourth quarter, it was clear we weren't in the game anymore. They should have had a point at which they're like, right, at this score, at this time, the backups go in. Mm. Um, so, yeah, you know, had had the, 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 you know, Mike White and the guys not turned the ball over, maybe they would have, the next series, you know, if that offensive drive had lasted another few plays, maybe they would have, you know, would have had that conversation with Vic Fangio and Ronaldo Hill and be like, right, look, let's let's just pull them at this point. It's, it's pointless. But um, maybe it should have happened earlier. I don't know. It is frustrating. It's, it's you know, particularly for a guy like Bradley Chubb, who's, after all the criticism, has been absolutely lights out this year. He's been absolutely incredible. And you, particularly this late in the season now, you're probably not going to get him back until, what, October? Third, fourth game of the season, if you're lucky by the time he's back up to speed and it's just you know that's that's horrible for the guys you know and horrible for us as fans but horrible for him as well and you know missing the whole of training camp and again it's just injuries on top of injuries with um with Jalen Phillips and Connor Williams and you know these other big big injuries we've sustained this year that just seem to you know a guy like Armstead you kind of get it you you, you know you expect him to play 13 14 games a season if you're lucky but these other guys I know Chubb had that one injury in Denver but he's had two and a half three years healthy Jalen Phillips, since you know, since the medical retirement of concussions, really has stayed pretty much healthy. Don't think Connor Williams missed many games in in Dallas. Rob Hunt, as far as I'm aware, apart from being not starting a couple of games in his rookie year, hasn't missed a game until this year. Suddenly, he's missing half the season. You know, it's um, and I don't know if that's something they have to change in the way they're training. Whether that's something they have to change, and you know, whether I know they go eleven on eleven and go full speed and all their training sessions, which you know I kind of love. I think that's brilliant, but. If it's causing these injuries, maybe that's something they need to look at. Have you heard the um, Indian burial ground conspiracy theory at Hard Rock? Have you heard this theory? No. Apparently, I don't know how true this is. I'm getting my source off Nicky Smokes. Apparently, the um, Dolphin Stadium was built on an old Indian burial ground, the Hard Rock Stadium. And people, I think it's been a, a thing around that. It's been a curse that ever since that, that's been built, it's just been all these things that happen. Even... You know, or, or even last few seasons, but this season especially with all the injuries that we're getting, people are starting to wonder: is that stadium cursed? Isn't most of America an ancient Indian burial ground at this point? <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? They pretty much had all of it, didn't they, before it got taken off them? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the whole country um, must be cursed. <laughs> we actually, uh, Matt, why you mentioned Armstead, I can actually mention um, the announcement announced, I believe, it was last night or this morning, uh, Pro Bowl. Um, yes, he was somehow included. I don't know how he's included, but we've got. The most, the first quarterback to be taken in the Pro Bowl since Dan Marino, in obviously two at Tangaloa. What is this? Tyree Kill, Town Armstead, Raheem Mostert, Alec Ingold, Ramsey. Now, Hill to uh, Mostert, Ingold, I completely get. But I was surprised by Armstead and Ramsey because Ramsey's been amazing since he came in. But he only played since week eight. And um, Armstead is a 
walking um, injury note. So I was surprised that those two particularly got picked. Does it scream to you that maybe players just being lazy and just going like, we'll just pick the players I know that are good or I've been playing with? Or do you think anything like that happens that players just get lazy and go, I'll just put this guy down and I know he's good. That's what same thing Darren Donald, why he was put in the Pro Bowl this year, despite only six sacks. Yeah, I think I think there's a lot of that. I think, you know, when you come to the top 100 and you hear the interviews with the guys, I think once a guy's known as being good, I mean, X got in last year and he wasn't particularly great. You know, it, the name recognition means a lot. I completely agree. Armstead and and um, and Ramsey have probably got in on name recognition. I'm really happy for Alec Ingold. I was convinced it was going to be Patrick Ricard who got in, but Ingold's like the heartbeat of, of this team. And I, I'm so, so happy for him that he got in and got some recognition in the wider league. I think Wilkins and Sealer, one of them should have got in, particularly Sealer, nine and a half sacks this year. I'm not sure how many tackles he's got, but it's I'm sure he's in the top 10 or 15 of tackles for loss. You know, the guy's been an absolute beast this year. And for him not to get in, you know, he's got the same amount of sacks as Chris Jones, you know, but 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 he's getting overlooked. You know, I think that's a real shame. Um, I think the rest of them, what, we've got 12 alternates or something crazy like that this year. I think Austin Jackson, I know he's an alternate, but even getting named an alternate is massive for him you know considering where he was last year um but yeah I, mean, I think you know six players as, as much as anything else i think it's just recognition of us being back on you know kind of back in the national spotlight or international spotlight i should say but you know i think most of most of the teams who get players picked or their names are on the tongues of people so they would get picked are the teams who are relevant and i think it just shows we're relevant again you know we've got the same amount of players as the eagles and i think if you look at the eagles list again you know, Jason Kelsey hasn't been amazing this year. Lane Johnson hasn't been amazing this year. Even Landon Dixon hasn't been amazing this year, but it's kind of the same old, same old names. I think AJ Brown's probably the only one who's, who's you know, realistically deserved it this year on how good he's been. But it's just the way it goes for every team, I think. Mahomes, again, Mahomes is in there. And yeah, I guess how the numbers... hell is he? How the hell was he in that list? He's had his worst season of his career. I know high bar to set, but I don't know how the That's hell it. he should have been. I mean, Josh Allen, Josh Allen should have been picked over him. I think. I think um, Dak Prescott, Lamar Jackson, to uh, Brock Purdy, absolutely fine with that. But there's no way in hell you can tell me there's been only two quarterbacks in the AFC better than him. I, I don't. I think he's the best quarterback in the league, but this season he's been way off being the best, especially the last two months. Yeah, as you say, it's name recognition, and I think, as you say, a bad season for Mahomes is a it's still a pretty high bar to set. You know, you look at his numbers. I think he was still one of the passing leaders a few weeks ago, despite being absolutely horrific. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think they, I think they could finish four and twelve, you know, four and thirteen. He'd somehow still be, he'd somehow still be in the Pro Bowl just because it's Patrick Mahomes. It's like again, it's that name recognition thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I couldn't agree more about the, the sort of recognition because I've had many years where I think it was one year, I believe it was at twenty twenty one or twenty nineteen, where we had we had no single players in the Pro Bowl, um, and you know, it was I've always wanted to be a time where players of ours just get in all the time and I think it's been really good to see obviously the progress is there I- I've loved seeing this progress these last few years back-to-back playoff years I've never seen us win a playoff game but I've only once before last season seen us even make the playoffs in my 12 years so to see us do back-to-back years is, is it's been amazing and I think that this season has been brought a lot of joy to the fans and I think it's been, um, been a great one and I think that it's good seeing you know, these players finally getting recognition. And I think that it's good seeing, you know, we'll, we'll definitely see Tyra Kill as one of the nominees with MVP. I think Tua might sneak in as well. Um, and yeah, also you got the leading uh, rusher, got the leading pass yard as well. So I think it's, you know, whatever happens in the next two, three, four weeks, whatever it is, 
I think we've got to be happy with um, where we've done. I think it's been a lot of talk about it and I agree with it that if you asked me to start the year, and I'm sure you'll still say, say the same thing, if you told me in August you'd be going into week 18, in the playoffs already, having secured it two weeks before that, 11-5, and five, potential to get the six, second seed. If not, you've still got the sixth seed regardless. That's pretty good. And I know that injury is probably coming at the wrong time and I've been you know, very pessimistic in recent weeks, but you can't argue with that. I mean, again, just, just being in, in, in the competition, being in amongst it, in it to win it, um, I think it's amazing. And you just never, you just never know. You just never know what will happen. You know, no one when Carson Wentz went down with the Eagles, no one said Nick Foles would do what he did. No one had Gardner Minshew doing what he's doing this year. Same as Joe Flacco, you know, Eli Manning constantly. Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield, yeah. And I think looking even further, Eli Manning in the in the playoffs was never good in the regular season. Turn on in the postseason. And, you know, I think that what I still think, you know, probably aren't going to be a team that makes a Super Bowl. We can dream and we know we've got the players to do it. So I think it's definitely, yeah, exciting times. I think Chubb's the one that's the killer. I think that's that might be the final nail for me in, 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 in my Super Bowl dream, just because you look at the way this team plays defence and I think losing Phillips, you can fill in those snaps. You were able to bring in Ingram, you had Van Ginkle, you can you know throw in a few more corner blitzes and you know bring Brandon Jones and stuff. But yeah, I think losing Chubb as well, that's just that's one step too far. I don't think they're so they're so thin there now. And I think there hasn't really been, you look at the list of workouts they did the other day, it doesn't even look like they're looking to bring in a Frank Clark or a Justin Houston or anybody, or if they are, they're doing it quietly. But it just, yeah, I, I think I think it's just going to be one step too many with, with the defensive injuries in particular. I'll tell you what, though, we talk about progress. Obviously, injury provided next year, you know, if we can have two are healthy, but he most are healthy all year long, you know, Bradley Chubb, Jaden Phillips, we keep on. We keep Christian Wilkins. We get. We keep. Obviously, got Zach Seed, the Van Ginkle. You know, Ramsey's healthy all years. The Dave Howard's healthy all year. Javon Holland's healthy all year. And that's not even mentioned the, the offense. You know, Tyree Kill Waddle stay healthy all year. You know, defensive line Austin Jackson, Teron Armstead, and we. And if we, if we do go and get a you know offensive lineman in free agency or the draft, you go and get Brock Bowers. We trade up for him. That I think next year, you know, you got to look, especially with Tyree Kill having what two years left. Have this window we've got now. If everyone can stay healthy, this team, I think, can go really far. I think that has been the biggest problem this last year or year or two is injuries. And that's something we've got to try and address. And I do think that we've got to look at that as if everyone is healthy, then my God, what a team we've got. And this is not even including anyone we get in free agency, offensive or defensively. So, yeah, it's it's an exciting time, I must admit. Um, and speaking of which, a game which is in America on my birthday, but in the UK on the Monday early hours after my birthday, which is, should be a tense affair being a Liverpool fan playing mm-hmm. Arsenal as well, should be quite the day. Um, Bills, Dolphins, um, quick, let's have a quick thought on that. If you win, we're second seed. If we lose, we're the sixth seed. Um, Bills obviously go into it as the bookies' favourites. They're currently in the be- one of the best forms in the whole league. Um, quick prediction for the game. Oh, God. Um, yeah, I'm, strugg- I'm struggling to see us beating the Bills at the moment. They, they just look the better team. I mean, Stefan Diggs has been struggling the last few weeks. They haven't been looked at, you know, they haven't looked as good as they did maybe three or four weeks ago. But I think, again, missing the guys on the edge, that pass, missing that pass rush with Josh Allen, you've got to be so disciplined and keep him contained. He's so big and so strong when he runs. We've had so many problems with him in the past. I really hoped after last year, you know, what was it, three games all within three points that that we we turned a corner, we'd finally figured out how to play them. Um, 
But yeah, I, I just think with the injuries, uh, with the you kind of hope they want to bounce back after the Ravens game, but it might also be that last kick in the teeth where they're just like, you know what, we just need to survive and get to the postseason. Um, I think they should be looking out for revenge, though, after the way we played in week four. Again, I know we were missing guys like Ramsey and the, the defence was pretty new, but it was still it was a pathetic display. But that and the Ravens games were the two lowest points of this season by far. I'd give up that Broncos win in a heartbeat to 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 make those two games less embarrassing. Um, I, you know, I'd, I'd happily still lose to the Titans if those two games were less embarrassing. Um, but yeah, I, I think I'm hoping it's close. I'm hoping at home they can still give a good atmosphere. But I think Hart says Dolphins. I think Head still says we don't know how to beat Josh Allen and they're healthier than we are. James Cook is running amok at the moment. And I, I just, you know, with like I said, with the problems on the edge, as good as Sealer and Wilkins have been, I just think we'll get worn down. And I just, I, I hope we can keep it close. You know, we nearly beat with Scarlett Thompson, so who knows? Um, yeah, you never know. Uh, um, yeah, and I think that, I think, I think sadly is a loss as well. Um, I saw you, I saw even talk about players being rested for this game in order to be fit for the World Cup. I think at this point, I think you play starters because I'd much rather play the Colts, Texans or Jags at home or the Steelers at home than play the Chiefs now ahead. Even though I think we've got a better chance in most years to beat them in our head, um, I'd much rather have home advantage against the Chiefs as well and also um, have that option of you know playing teams like that. So I think we have to go for it. Um, I think that we have to bigger than that. Hope for the best. Bigger than that, the chance to end the Bills' season if the results yes, go the right yes. way, and we'll, and we'll know by that point. If, if, yes. if that doesn't get if that doesn't get them up for it, revenge, you know, revenge for last week, revenge for week four. And if you've got the opportunity to to end the Bills' season, if you can't get up for that, then you might as well go home. Yeah, I mean, how crazy is that the fact that they can be either eliminated the Bills or be the second seed is quite a crazy, crazy situation they're having. Like. And um, I've actually got a bit of dilemma because I have got work early. I think I've got to be up at half six in the morning for work. There's only a half day. So what I'm going to do, I'm turning all my phone, I'm turning my phone off. I'm not turning it on after midnight. I'm do not disturb. Notifications off. Quickly turn it on to pay Apple Pay on the bus. Go to work. Avoid any websites. Thankfully, no one likes the NFL in my office. And then I'm going to get back for half two and I'm going to watch it not knowing the score. And I'm hoping half four on Monday afternoon, half five, that we've won the game, but it's, um, yeah, it's going to be a, I, I think it's quite hard to concentrate in my job. I know I'm new, I'm new in the role, but it's going to be hard to concentrate because I'm going to be thinking about have we won? Did we win? So I think, yeah, I could ultimately come back. Has King, has King Jason Sanders saved us again? <laughs> Shout out to Robbie Warren if he's listening. Um, yeah, I, I think nothing, I, I, um, I like the FA Cup, but nothing would make my birthday more special then to see Dolphins beat the Bills. That literally, I've never seen to win a division. That literally made mine. I think a lot of Dolphins, especially my age, a lot of fans will be happy and now that will make their make their year almost already. So yeah, it's an exciting game. Um, and yeah, should be a crack of a game. But that is where we'll end the podcast for today. Um, so once again, huge thank you to Tom for coming on today. Cheers, Andy. Appreciate it. It's been great. No problem at all. And if you want to now take the chance to plug your social media, let us know where people can find you on X or Instagram. Uh, I don't really use either, so you don't need to look for me. <laughs> uh, are you at least in Finnish Nation UK? I am, yes. Yeah, so you can find Tom on there if you want to send him a friend request and chat all things Dolphins, then he is your man. But in the meantime, this has been the Finnish Nation UK podcast. Huge thank you once again to Wayne Connor from the podcast Graphic and to Jez Granger for the podcast theme tune. I have been, as ever, 
your host, Annie Davis. This has been Tom Kavanagh. And we will see you guys, hopefully, next week when we beat the Bills. See you then. Good luck.